Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my big sister, Julie Dolan, who is in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, I know you wanted to wish the Satellite Sisterhood what? Happy Mardi Gras, Leanne. There you go. Le bon ton roulé, because today's the big day, Leanne. Okay, really in many places, but for everybody that is celebrating Mardi Gras, if you're not celebrating Mardi Gras, you should celebrate Mardi Gras. Uh, just get into it. It's not too late. Get yourself some beads, you know, get a king cake, have a cocktail. <laughs> I, think, I think that's pretty much it. Also, Lunar New Year is this week. It was yesterday, I think, technically. So gung ho fat choy. Love, okay. love that. I love getting gifts uh, from my friends here in California because you know what they give? They give money. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> they give you a crisp $1 bill for your Lunar New Year. I like that a lot. So I read an interesting story in the LA Times today about how the banks have like a run on actual cash before Lunar New Year here. And they have oh. to stock up on like cre- clean, crisp bills. Uh, because that you is can't the... give like a dirty one dollar. No, that's not no. good luck, Julie. No, okay. more money, 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 money. Let's go. Clean money may be better than the Marty plastic Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> I don't know, but in terms those of those are fun, festive. Those are festive. You fun can't... factor, you know. It's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have a full show. You know, it's our Downton Abbey recap uh, that we do on our Tuesday show. It was an exciting episode on Downton Abbey because, because it reminded me of every horrible volunteer organization I've ever been involved with. And we're going <laughs> to showcase house. Yes, showcase it was. House. It was showcase house. They were all there. Right. All, all the archetypes of volunteer work were on board in Downton Abbey. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Julie, you were in Brooklyn last week. So we have an urban Nana report. Yes. Um, indeed. Yesterday, Julie, I reached something I could only refer to as peak internet outrage syndrome. And I'll tell you about that. Uh, you join your neighborhood crime watch. So yes, can't and, wait I, to and I have, they gave me a recommendation and I just, I just cannot believe this is going to stop crime. So <laughs> I have a number of like crime stoppers that I just don't really think are going to work, but I, I want, I want your opinion on it. I also have, I'm afraid to say a geologic forecast for you, California sisters, and it's not good. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. I know your husband uh, knows a lot about rocks and stuff. So, okay. I'm sure he vetted it, but we'll hear about that. We also have a trendy Hollywood diet we're going to tell you about. And who is Liam Neeson's mystery woman? Julie, I want you to start thinking now, because according to reports, he is dating, quote, an incredibly famous woman. Who's that? Maybe we don't know. We, oh. we don't. We don't know, Julie. This is what we gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna speculate and throw out some names mm-hmm. later on in the show, and then, and then of course there was no Madam Secretary on this week. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about Tim Daly on Satellite Sisters, right? 
There's always Leave. a good it's excuse. always a good topic. It's perfect for our Tuesday show. Yeah. So yes, bring it, bring Tim on. Yeah. All right. How how is Brooklyn? How is uh, how Brooklyn was it? Brooklyn was delightfully, and you know, I uh, my my son and daughter in law and my beloved Josephine, seventeen months old now. That's such a great age. Yes, love that age. Um, so I went back, uh, it was for a visit slash help out because there was a lot of business travel involved last week in Brooklyn and they needed, you know, they just needed some support. So I'm always, I'm always up for that, Leanne. And so, um, I, I headed to Brooklyn and can I just say, I, for anyone that lives in, in the New York area this winter, I know you had the blizzard, but. It is so much better than last winter in Brooklyn, where I spent, you know, when Josephine was a little baby, only four months old. I mean, it was so cold and so much snow last winter. It really wasn't bad. This, this, so far, it hasn't been too bad this year. So that just makes a giant difference. Um, but, and we had enough, we did a number of fun things. But one of the fun things I did with Josephine is I took her to the Children's Museum in Brooklyn, which is allegedly the oldest children's museum in the country. Now I know we're going to, people are going to dispute this, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Cause that's what I heard. Okay. So I'm just repeating what I heard that it's the oldest children's museum in Brooklyn, but it is a total Brooklyn experience Leanne, when you go there. So first day I went there, um, you, you know, you have to go check in, you have to go in the line. There were two Brooklyn dads in front of me and they were in like, Full on Brooklyn. They had beards, they had boots, they had buns, they had backpacks, and they had rolled jeans. Okay. They were not, they were friends. They weren't a couple. They were, you know, two guys. Uh, and between the two of them, they had three children and they sort of met at the entrance of the museum, you know, for a play date and they were coming into the museum. Interesting to note that two out of the three children were named Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, I'm in Brooklyn now. I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. But well, wow, that's I, a pretty high ratio. Of, that is a pretty I'm high not ratio. That, I think that's like 66% of the children. <laughs> so they were named Phoenix. Then what's nice at this museum, it's a, it's a wonderful museum. And, and they, what I like about it in particular is they have a toddler area. That is just for toddlers. You Mm -hmm. have to be under two with your caregiver. Mm -hmm. You can't be there by yourself. It is monitored. They have like a gate with a, you know, with a real gatekeeper, you know, uh, and you have to take your shoes off. And so this was like ideal playtime for Josephine, uh, Josephine and Nana, because, you know, she could really move around. Everything was the right scale. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was excellent. So we also, in the toddler area, uh, came across two, and, and it was an infraction because you're supposed to be under two in this area. There were four-year-old twins. Uh, oh. Okay, one was named Levy, and the other one was named Taxi. I was like, Taxi? I, you know, because I because uh, Levy and Taxi were there with their nana, uh, nanny. And I said to the nanny, because, I mean, I just got right into this because I'm her <laughs> nana. I was like... <laughs> I, maybe I heard that name wrong. I was like, is that the child's name, Taxi? And she said, oh, yes, Taxi. I said, is it short for something? Again, just just as nosy and as pushy as I can be <laughs> to get to the bottom Welcome to of, New this, York. Yeah. of this kid's name, all right? And she said, uh, no, it's just Taxi. I was like, like the cab, like Taxi Cab? And I'm practically yelling <laughs> at this child. Now, she's in the, and the nanny's like, just sort of laughed, like, yeah, yeah. Now, Leanne. 
I think if you name your child taxi, yeah. you are not trying hard enough. Okay. <laughs> that, that is a below average name. Wouldn't you say? That I, is just... That's like a cute name for a dog. You know, that's like, Oh, a little taxi, you know, that's kind of a, or, uh, but that does, taxi? I, I don't understand that name. I don't understand no, that, why you would I do just that. Like, you know, like what you were like, not inspired like bus. What are you going to name the child? I don't know. Like dinner plate. <laughs> I mean, North. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I object to the Brooklyn's, the London's. I don't like any of those, but at least I felt like that's, you're trying a little bit, but taxi, you did not try at all. That is, that is just a below average name. So I think okay. you, you know, you can do better on that. Okay. So then we moved over to the sand area, Leanne, which, uh, uh, which was very fun, you know, the indoor sand play, which uh, which I enjoyed and Josephine enjoyed. Um, and there was another little girl in the area, and her mother was calling the little girl Jojo. Oh, okay. I, oh, yeah. So my ears perk up because, of course, that is the super adorable nickname for my granddaughter, Josephine, that I'm not allowed to call her. Not tech, not, I haven't been given permission, the green light, but her mother and father both call her Jojo and it's adorable and I like it. And so I, again, pushy urban Nana, I just speak right up. I said, oh, Jojo, is that short for something? And she said, Josephine. I was like, okay, so now, now I'm in full combat mode, Leon, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Oh, I was like, and how old is Josephine? Uh, she said, oh, she was born, you know, in September. I was like, what date in September? Because Josephine is early in the month. Uh-huh. This child was late in the month. Oh, good. So, so your so, Josephine was first. She was first. And that's exactly what I whispered in Josephine's ear. You were first. She copied you. That's what I wrote. Okay, Liam. So then, so then I move on to the art section. We're just having fun. Okay. And they have a lovely little art area for the kids and they have a woman, a young girl in there. I mean, she's a full grown woman, but she's, you know, you know, she's young. She's young. She's no younger than urban Nana. Let's just say so enthusiastic, so sincere, you know, no doubt a triple major in like art history, child psychology, and I don't know, something else, you know, and finger painting. Yes. Right. She has created this. She has an art project. Again, this is supposed to be for under two kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The major element of the art project are cups of buttons. I was like, buttons? Oh, my You're gosh. You're going to use, like, toddler <laughs> buttons? I mean, because, again, she probably she has no children. Even though she works with children all day, she works with two-year-olds two, two all day. That, that's what the first thing they're going to do is stick it in their mouth, Yeah, right? or up their nose, yeah. Right, I mean, it's right. kind of a classic, button or right. crayon, yeah. Right, right. I don't know. So, so there were a lot of buttons there, but you know, was, I was anyone so I, in the area named Button? No, Liam. No, oh, Liam. But you know who was in the area? Now, uh, you're familiar with Tiger Mom. She was the oh, Yale, yeah. Yale professor uh, uh, who just hounded her children into excellence, and is you know has a whole you know sort of system of mothering that just it appears to be based on belittling the child into achieving. Right. Okay. Well. Tiger grandma was at the table oh. with us. I mean, she was like yelling at this poor child, just criticizing the way she was pasting, <laughs> hounding her to keep like gluing on more buttons. I mean, it was so much that Josephine and I had to move to another table because <laughs> <'cause, 
not. Josephine was. She wanted she more just, freestyle. She wanted to freestyle Josephine, with her buttons. What Josephine likes to do, she liked to take the crayon and stick it in the glue. And then she, I, I think she wanted to put the glue in her mouth. Yeah, but we, we, you know, that was sort of her technique. Uh, yeah. So we, we just had to get away from Tiger Grandma. But she, she was really hounding this child into gluing the buttons on. So it was a good experience. We felt like we really had some positive time there, you know, met some, some wonderful children, you know, just kept moving. But that was, that was our report land from, from Brooklyn. So if you're there, you might want to check it out. Yeah, sounds fun. Sounds yeah. like a fun museum. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Julie, back, you know, this weekend, many events going on. Uh, we obviously, the Super Bowl, the halftime show, the national anthem, the Republican debate, the primary coming up, you know, all kinds of things that the internet could react to in an instant. <laughs> and yes, yes. here's the problem. I have some uh, notifications on my phone and I, yesterday morning, I actually just turned them all off because I couldn't take the internet outrage anymore. <laughs> like sometimes it's fun when you work home alone, like I do, yeah. to follow along on what's happening with the world. With on the trending, something yeah. that's trending. You yeah. feel like you're more connected. Yeah, and, uh... we're all in this together. But it was just, we, we've just come to a point in our society where we have to react strongly outrageously to everything instantaneously uh-huh. and every once in a while I just have to step away like I don't know I thought the Super Bowl halftime show was kind of a mess but I didn't feel strongly <laughs> that I needed to like single it was out entertain- entertaining you don't In- think yeah I thought there were moments that were fine you yeah. know but I didn't feel the need to like take down the berets on Beyonce's dancers. But apparently I missed the point on that because there were a million tweets on that. And yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the Cam Newton press conference, I can't imagine anything worse than a post-game press conference after you've had a terrible game and lost yes, in the Super I, Bowl. I and so people were outraged about his behavior. And then people were outraged about Rob Lowe commenting on his behavior. Then there was all the stuff from the Republican debate. Oh, and gosh. then they, that was outrage. And then this week, for some reason, two women that I respect a ton, Gloria Steinem and Madeline Albright, just really missed the boat on an entire gen generation of women yeah, what what did they do there what what happened with know. that i, I mean, don't know they've I'd... done such fine work in their life you know? for and decades then, excellent for decades. work and then just a couple of tone deaf statements about young female voters that really put a whole bunch of people in an outrage on the internet <laughs> i had to i said it was hurting my stomach i had to turn yeah. it off i was like i can't live like this anymore i can't live where i have to have an instant response to bruno mars dance moves you know like right yeah. now i have to be for or against Bruno Mars <laughs> or you know I thought Lady Gaga killed it I didn't under- I loved her outfit I would love someday to wear encrusted red eyeshadow I <laughs> I thought it was she's a pop star I don't know I can't feel that strongly the other way about Lady Gaga I thought she well, did a fine job it would job. be one thing if if the like the energy was positive uh, yeah. from the internet but it's not it's, it's so much, negative it's, it's so negative you know and it's that yeah that it's not uh, you know you don't 
it, it, whatever positive energy the internet does create, I mean, it's drowned out by all the negativity. Yeah, so. it does. And that's, it just got to me yesterday. I was like, oh gosh, please. Can we just take a breath and like, think about things before we condemn people? And, and I know it's stupid. It's just Twitter. So it really doesn't matter. And I really don't have to follow it. I could be like my husband, just completely oblivious. <laughs> oblivious. Yeah. 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 to what happens on any social media. And I was like, I just, I got to get out. I got to turn off the notifications on my phone. I don't yeah. need to know when things have happened. I need to like deal with it in my own time so I can come to my own decisions about this kind of stuff. But I was just surprised. I don't know. I just look at stuff. It's a halftime show. It's I, what? <laughs> I didn't understand. It's a halftime show by Coldplay even. <laughs> So yeah. I don't know. I couldn't get all worked up about it, that's but, good, I, but I, I was getting all worked up about it. So I, I had to turn off the notifications. I so think what it's are you going to do? Me. I mean, cause they, you, we have the New Hampshire primaries today. Are you going to, are you, are you still uh, staying in the dark or are you going to uh, dip into some of the outrage that might come out as a result of uh, the results tonight? I'm going to check on my own terms. That's what I can't. So I don't want the notifications coming to me. I don't want to feel compelled like I have to, you know, okay. check in and see what this is. Yeah, I have to stay away from that entire trends page on Twitter because that is just really people expressing outrage. They're very rarely saying, fantastic. It's usually just outrage. So no, I'll tune into the news. I just need to step back. I just need to step back and not get so caught up in the moment. Because okay. it's too much. It was too much for me. Too much. So, okay, okay. Lena. Did you okay. watch the Super Bowl? Yes, Lee. And yeah. of course, you know, um, uh, as as you all know, I feel very close uh, to the Manning family and to Eli Manning because he played um, he played uh, f- uh, baseball and soccer with my son with my son Nick in New Orleans. Uh, the Mannings don't feel close to us. Uh, <laughs> I, I, should, I should say that. Make that point very clear. So, of course, I, I was happy for Peyton Manning. And I know, again, it was internet outrage, land that Eli had that, like, sourpuss face on. That was the sitting, best. That sitting. was the best. That was, that's a good That was like a Lady Edith face or a Lady Mary face. That, <laughs> and we know maybe it's not. Maybe he just had, like, indigestion or something. You know, no, he was no. always, I want to tell you, Leanne, he was always a quiet child. He was always hard to read. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just it's a little insight again because I'm so close to Eli. So so I I'm I'm defending him. No negativity there, Liam. But again, that went crazy. Like, right? Just well, crazy. that was funny. I mean, yeah. come on. Like, you know, Eli's got two Super Bowls and Peyton has one and now oh, Peyton has two and like that face. Come on. That just that was the face of every little brother ever who had finally reigned over their big brother only to see their big brother take back pole position. I mean, that, that was just, that was every sim, sibling rivalry ever condensed into one three second shot. No, I, I think I he just it. had a little, little gas or something from, uh, from the, the wiener dog he was eating or something. I, that's what I get. Okay. Like. All right. Okay. But I did. I enjoyed the Super Bowl. I was very happy. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was happy for Peyton Manning. And uh, uh, so that, that was it. Yes, it was pleasantly. And I had, I'd experienced no outrage. No outrage. It's good. Just stay off the internet. Other, other than that Dorito ad, Leon. That's the only outrage I experienced. But. That was the worst ad I've ever seen. And I, I don't, I, and I know some people liked it. And everyone on my couch did not enjoy it. Uh, me yeah. and the two people who came. Who I birthed, frankly. So. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> it was uncomfortable right. for us in many yeah. ways. 
yeah. <laughs> but then yesterday I was like, had aqua aerobics with the girls. We all hated it. Everyone hated it. As everyone was talking, yes. I was like, that was just awful. But we're, t- you know, and I can't believe they say, well, people are talking about it. So that's good. But I retain things like that. I'm not going to buy any more Doritos. So Okay, Leon. Good. It was gross. I like that. I like that. It was that, gross. Leanne. Well, Leon, I am back here in Dallas and uh, back in the new house. And I joined uh, my neighborhood association because that's, you know, I, I want to get involved in my new neighborhood. And, you know, we have a little cr- cr- crime watch program here, which is good, you know, to keep everybody safe and be neighborly. And so they have a whole long list of tips about things you can do to protect your house and, you know, avoid crime. And one of the, two of the suggestions I I just need for another opinion on, because they said they, this is our neighborhood crime watch uh, newsletter that's put together in association with the Dallas police department. So it's, you know, it's got some official officialness to it. They said that what I should do is go get a, a, a beware of dog sign to put on my back fence or on my side fence or wherever, and also get a big dog bowl to leave in my yard. Oh. That this apparently is supposed to deter uh, robbers and bad guys from your house if they see the beware of dog sign or see a, a big water bowl outside. Oh, I like the big water bowl. Yeah. It's easy to do. That seems genuine. Really? I mean, I, I think I mean, those beware of dog signs are not attractive. So that. that I know. <laughs> I know. That's, that's not. And I, I walk by and I go, I don't believe that. Like, unless I hear a dog barking, I don't believe it. See, but that's the, I, that's what I think the bad guys are. Yeah. I, I, I think the bad guys, A, are not going to read the sign or not believe the sign. But the water but, bowl is subtle. That's a subtle. That's, that's a subtle thing. Yeah. Because like, that, because especially if you keep it filled. And you actually have a dog. So. I do have a large dog, Lynn. I do have a large dog. <laughs> you don't really need to be awa- beware of my large dog. No. But I'm not, I'm, please don't tell the bad guys that. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, so I do have a large water bowl, bowl, but I had never heard or read anything about that. So I, I did a little more research, um, fired up the internet just on, you know, crime, you know, what you can do for crime prevention around your house. And there's a lot of myths about, you know, crime prevention. Uh, number one, that you should never, I didn't know this, like if you have an alarm system, you should never, you know, a lot of times when you have an alarm system, they, the alarm system company gives you a sign to put in your front yard that says your house is protected, this house is protected by ADT or whatever, you know, uh, whatever brand it is. But that apparently is not a good idea because again, it's telling bad guys what kind of alarm system you have. And if they're any good at being bad guys, they may know how to disable certain brands of alarms. Oh, So that you could put up a generic alarm sign, but you shouldn't put up one that indicates the brand of alarm that you have. No, I would believe that. I had never heard that. I had never heard that. And they said that, you know, most houses that are robbed have alarm systems, but they're just not turned on. Right. That that people think, oh, well, I'm just going to run out for two minutes. I really don't need to set the alarm. That apparently you did. That's a big mistake. You need to set your alarm all the time. Um, Hiding valuables. They said, uh, this, this article said that, um, 
I, I think pretty much everybody hides them in the bedroom, right? There's yeah, no- and that's <laughs> not a good idea, as no. I can tell you, because that's we when we our house is broken into. Yeah, that's where they went into the sock drawers. Yeah, that's the yeah number one place. Sock drawers, you know, bedrooms, mattresses. That's that's where they go. You're supposed to, you know, really hide it, you know, in like in your garage, which is not really convenient if you're looking for a pair of earrings <laughs> and you have to like rummage through the garage every time you want to wear those earrings, right? I think you just stop wearing them, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're supposed to keep things in the freezer. Again, really cold earrings. I, I it's, <laughs> it's wildly uncomfortable, but this. okay. Okay. But it's just another thing. They did, they did say uh, getting a big dog, people think that that is a good deterrent. But in many cases, and I, I have, uh, <laughs> Leon, you know my noble beast, Zorro. Yeah. He is no deterrent to crime. I mean, maybe if you looked at him, you would be afraid of him. But really, they said little dogs are better because they bark more. And that, you know, any kind of barking dog can really, um, can really deter the bad guys. Right. That I would believe. I mean, I think Labradors, they're lovely dogs, but I don't, I don't think anyone's afraid of a lab. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's not their purpose in the world. A barking German shepherd, believe me, people do not believe me. I have seen the terror in people's faces. So I think it's breed specific. Your labs. Yeah. Your Labrador retrievers you know, big giant Newfoundlands, like yeah. no Newfoundlands ever bit anything. So, I mean, but they're <laughs> oh, then a, like a giant T-bone or something like that. Yeah. Now I here's what, here's a myth. They said like stopping the mail and the paper, you're not supposed to do that. Which, which I said, I, I said to myself, what, what? Uh, because they said that you know, you, you may not know who your mail, I, see, I don't believe this, that, you know, the, now you're telling your mail carrier and whoever delivers your newspaper that you're, you're going to be away from town and yeah. it would be better to have your neighbors pick up your mail and pick up uh, your paper or somebody to come by and do that and not disclose to anyone whether you're there or not there. Yeah, I don't stop. I, I we've heard that at our neighborhood watch meeting. Really? Too. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So. I just, I, I just did not know that. So. No, it's bad yeah. if they collect in your driveway. You have to have someone who's going to yes, do it right. in a timely fashion. But yeah, uh, you can't yeah. have like don't don't pick a teenager right. to uh, <laughs> to do that. No, that's that's unfair. Anyway, so I'm uh, I got the big dog bowl. Um, I probably am going to get a beware of dog sign, Land. I'm just going to post that. Post that around back and uh, see see what happens. So anyway. yeah, or just uh, just uh, get a tape of a barking dog and just <laughs> your dog. He might deter some people. I mean, yeah. not if they actually came close to him, but just if they saw him behind the fence. Yeah, that if might they be saw good. him behind the fence. Hey, my neighbors have a German Shepherd now, and uh, you know Maverick. I think he's deterring people at my house. So I mean, I always maintain that you know when the neighbors complained about Mia's barking or other German Shepherds barking, like I think I was like I think she's literally protecting the whole neighborhood because she barks at people in your driveway too. So yeah, that that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, you just I again, I'm assu- I'm not a bad guy, so I don't know for certain, <laughs> but I'm assuming that like if you want to rob a house, you want to do it quietly. Quietly, yeah. any any kind of dog barking. Even if it's behind a fence, is not good news for you. Not so. good. Okay. 
Well, speaking of not good news, Leanne, I have some not good news for you, California sister. Okay. And you may pass this on to the other California sisters. You know, this, I had a discussion with my husband uh, this weekend and you know, his, his background, he's, he's a full fledged geologist. Okay. Uh, He, he's, he's, he's totally trained as that. And that Taiwan earthquake that we had uh, that, that happened just uh, last week. Okay. Okay, 6.4 Taiwan earthquake. Very happy that longtime satellite sister listener Erin and her family are fine because, you know, she posts a lot at the Satellite Sister Facebook group. She, you know, she reported in that she and her family were fine. But that was a pretty big earthquake. And um, that is not good news for you guys because you're familiar with the Ring of Fire, Leanne. This is the basin in the Pacific that connects, you know, uh, you know, the Asia with, you know, the coast of of the United States, and this is where, you know, the you know there are large numbers of earthquakes and volcanoes. In fact, ninety percent of all earthquakes uh, happen along the Ring of Fire. You know this, okay? And that is these earthquakes and volcanoes are really a result of plate tectonics, which is the mo- movement, or probably a better word, the collision of plates. And so we had this earthquake in Taiwan. And you know we've had a number of earthquakes in South America in the last six months to a year. Right. Okay. So my husband said, and this is the highly technical term that he used, he said that there has been a irking of plates. (laughs) Want me to say that again? There's been an irk of plates, which is not good because it's putting even more pressure on the West coast of the United States. Your, your area is the only area that hasn't had, you know, hasn't had the release of an earthquake. Uh, And so the pressure is really building up. I mean, I didn't bring this topic up. He said, uh Oh, when he heard that uh, Taiwan earthquake, he said, thanks a lot. I mean, now what am I supposed to do? Get the batteries, re- re- replace the batteries for the radio. Okay. All right. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Leanne. Okay. Because of the irking, okay, that you just, <laughs> I know it's not good news. It's not I good mean, news. I mean, you rarely too. mention stuff like this. You know, I, I don't ask him to make predictions about uh, earthquakes. He, he offered this out of great concern, you know. And, right. Uh, well, thank you, I guess. All right. <laughs> Well, you have time to prepare, right? I well, mean, I that- don't know. It could happen right now, right? It could happen any minute now, or it could happen 100 years from now. Isn't that how geology works? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> not so much, Lynn. Not okay. so much. Not, all right. not, again, given the large numbers, you know, given, given all this activity on the Ring of Fire recently, and all no right. activity in your area. All right. So, I'm going to go make sure that the batteries in the, you know, in the radio still work. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's one. good. All right. That's all I can do. There's nothing more. More I Replace the water and put some cash in there. Okay. Okay. Good. In good my one. special, in my safe room. <laughs> in your safe room? Get yeah. your safe room going. I know you have can and canned goods. Canned goods. Right? I got it. No, I got it. Okay. I got it. I'm ready. It's the room okay. with no windows and the best okay. structure. It's good. And water. It's in a toilet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Leanne, I want you to feel better. And, right. uh, and I know uh, Sister Liz wants you to feel better uh, uh, about this because she'll be out of town, no doubt, when the earthquake happens. So, uh, so, it, won't, <laughs> so it won't impact her. Yeah. <laughs> it won't impact her. But Liz did pass on. She said the latest Hollywood diet.
And I think that maybe you should, uh, I want to go through this diet with you, Leanne, um, because I think it may, you know, perhaps this is going to provide like a mood boost for you The you know, it will provide you with the energy and the balance that you're really looking for in your life. And this is a diet that apparently has been developed by Amanda Chantel Bacon. Now, I don't know who this person is, but she apparently is very famous in your neck of the woods. Okay. That she owns Moon Juice, which is the most famous juice bar in Hollywood. Oh, okay. okay. I would, I would believe she, all those things, especially if her name is Chantel Bacon. Amanda yeah. Chantel Bacon. Amanda Chantel Bacon. Okay, she's no it's not Phoenix or anything like that, but it's a pretty good pretty good name and she apparently is the juicer to the stars that she provides uh juice uh drinks to all the hollywood elite so this was this is you know don't you i love to read these articles this was in l magazine this is like a day in the life of amanda Chantal. oh yeah what they eat uh, okay so she rises at six thirty in the morning she likes to get up before her child and here's the first thing she has leon is a copper cup of silver needles and calendula tea i have no idea what that is but it gets better from there okay Okay, and then she has a child, which uh, who knows what she feeds that child. But just to prove that she is just like us, Amanda Chantel Bacon, she writes about what she drinks uh, on while she's driving carpool, which I don't believe she does. And it's a chai drink, Leon, that she just blends up and it has vanilla mushrooms in it. It has protein. It has almond butter. It has brain dust. It has cardioceps. It has rushi, it has masa, and it has shilajit resin. I did not make up these words. <laughs> shilajit resin. Wow. And this is really supposed to get your libido going. Now, I'm not sure why you want your libido going in the carpool line, nope. but apparently she does. <laughs> and just with this juicer that she's just drinking as she's driving, she has also put in three shots of quinton. Is that Q-U-I-N-T-O-N. I don't know As, any of these words either. No, that's, well, no one <laughs> I does. know carpool. I mean, I know carpool. But other no, than that, I don't okay. know any of these words. So, but Amanda doesn't stop there. And what I like about Amanda's diet is that she is consuming all day long. So it's not like, you know, you, you know, just three times a day, because that was at eight o'clock. Well, well, she's drinking that her libido booster, but then she has to at nine 30 really work on her brain chemistry. So that's when she drinks a strong green juice, some bee pollen, some activated cashews. I realize that the cashews I have in my home are not the least bit activated, Leon. And then she drinks that with some turmeric root and grapefruit juice, which that sounds revolting. So may, maybe there's maybe there's some cleansing. Going that does after. sound cleansing. It's a, sounds okay. something. I mean, I like okay. grapefruit juice a lot, but uh, that's a lot. That's with a lot of powerful cleansing or turmeric or however you. I mean, look, that is just. Yeah, I know that's supposed to be an anti, anti-inflammatory. Okay, and, 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 and boost your brain too, Lynn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now uh, now you get to lunchtime, Lynn, get your spiralizer out because, <laughs> because it's all zucchini ribbons, Oh, olives and basil. Mm-mm. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's lunch. Okay, but then you have to just keep going and in between you're just, you're meditating, you're doing yoga, 
So by 3 p.m., you have really worked up um, worked up quite an appetite. And again, because Amanda Chantel Bacon just wants to show that she's a regular person, yeah. just like us. She does have food cravings, and she likes chocolate. Now, she doesn't eat, of course, a whole chocolate bar. Uh-uh, no. She has some coconut yogurt with cardamom and then chocolate and figs and walnut and apricots all sort of mushed up. And then with that as kind of a, again, as because she's just juicing. I don't think she. Right. There's the, so far, I don't hear actual like food consumed. <laughs> well, the, the zucchini the, noodles. Zucchini ribbons, okay. The zucchini ribbons. But that's a side a, dish, frankly. She has a mint chip hemp milk with masa brown ri- and brown rice protein. Oh, that. That sounds so wrong. Good. I mean, why, why bother with the mint chip at that point? <laughs> It's not that good a flavor. Okay. And then, so that's at 3, 3 p.m. So then she wants to do, uh, she wants to have an early dinner so she can uh, get to her after dinner yoga class. But given what she eats, it shouldn't be hard, you know? So she and her son. Well, I'm again, surprised she just... has the strength to drive to yoga, <laughs> frankly. But she has her son, you know, yeah. who apparently she has picked up. They go out for, you know, what every child wants is a seaweed salad. Lane. Yeah. That's dinner and some broth. Just, just like a lady, you know, the, like, uh, like Downton Abbey, she has a little restorative broth, but that's not finished because at 11 PM at night, who doesn't have food craving cravings? So she has one more healing tonic at the end of the day with just stuff I cannot even pronounce. <laughs> wow. So, but you see the picture of her. She looks pretty good. I'm sure she, I, does. she does. She looks, you know, she sure looks she vibrant does. and healthy. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't even heard of half of these things. That's I don't... a lot of food preparation in a single yeah. day, though. You're pretty much just cleaning your juicer and spiralizing all day long because that's a lot of food preparation. That's I mean, where we're... those whole food diets are. They're just hard to continue to do. Sometimes you actually just need to get a piece of toast because that's all <laughs> you have time for. That's right. I mean, where do you get shilajit resin? I don't know. I don't know where you got you get or... You know, or even starting the day, where do you get the silver needles and calendula tea? Is that, is that easy to find? I don't know. I don't know. In Dallas? I don't know. (laughs) Well, Julie, good luck with that. Are you going to try that this week? No, there's not really, there's not, even the zucchini ribbons don't look that good to me, you know? So maybe a nice side dish. It's a nice side dish. Okay. All right. I'll try uh, It's not a... You know, it's not a whole meal, I wouldn't think. But I know if you're vegetarian, you've worked around that. But and clearly, she doesn't eat meat or even steamed fish and steamed vegetables, which is usually what are on those things. So, all right. Well, that's that's a diet that sounds completely unachievable. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Julie, another Hollywood-related story. You know, Liam Neeson made a big splash in the Super Bowl this weekend with a great ad. And uh, he just looked great. And then there was a headline this morning I had to click on. Liam Liam Neeson is dating, quote, an incredibly famous woman seven years after his wife's death. Now, he talks very openly about, you know, the continued grief he has for his wife, you know, Natasha Richardson, and how it still surprises him every day that she's not coming back. But apparently he is dating again. And he refused to name his new partner, but he did admit that she is, quote, incredibly famous. So well, how come we couldn't figure out who, if she's incredibly famous, isn't there a picture of the two of them together? No, somewhere? I searched the, searched the internet. There is not a picture. So I think it's a 
to us to just wildly speculate. <laughs> okay, Lynn, do you have some? <laughs> okay. Well, first I, of all, I love these fact-based uh, um, segments we yeah. do on the show, Lynn. Good, good. Well, I, he's opened the door, Julie, to wild yes. speculation. When yes. you say stuff like that, um, okay, first of all, people have been wondering where Sheila Dolan is, and she's usually working on Sunday mornings, but yes. I don't think she qualifies for Incredibly Famous. I was hoping it might be her that was dating yeah. Liam Neeson, but I, I don't know I if she's... I could see those two, that she would go for him, and I could see oh, those two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that would, yes, that would be, that would be nice. He'd be nice to have a Thanksgiving, don't you think? Yeah. He seems like a lovely man, actually. Yes. Lo- and, yes. you know, tall, lovely tall man. Um, okay. For, then I thought, well, who, who's up there? Who's, who's just incredibly famous? Because not just famous, but incredibly famous, that's a different yeah. category. So yeah. uh, I thought Madonna, single. Oh, okay. oh, I don't think that's a good match. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't really think she's a catch for anyone. No. I think she's just her own person, and I think it should just stay that way. Yeah. That's, you know. Okay. Ooh, Jennifer, Lor- uh, Je- Jennifer Lawrence is also incredibly famous, although incredibly young. He is 63. Young. Yeah. yeah, and that's, he has a, you know, he has daughters and sons that are much older. So uh, yeah, that wouldn't work. That yeah, wouldn't work. so there's that. And then, uh, so I did think uh, Susan Sarandon may also be considered incredibly famous. So, okay. She's still looking good. She is. She looks great. She is. And she's an interesting, you know, woman. So, uh, okay. Also thought I checked, I had to Google JK Rowling is incredibly famous, but she's also incredibly married. So it's not her. Okay. 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 Good research. Yeah. Good. Good research. I was working hard this morning. Must've been that needle tea I had. And then, um, and then I thought, well, Emma Thompson isn't really incredibly famous, but they, they would be a nice couple, but she's also incredibly married. So that is no, no good for her. Mm. And then, uh, I'm kind of hoping this was be my pick, uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, now that she's gotten oh. out from under crazy oh, Sean Penn. Yeah. Gotten yeah. Away from that Sean Penn, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. This is going to be a nail biter, but, um, <laughs> Any get any speculation? Anyone pop to mind? I I mean, I mean, what about Jennifer Lopez? Now she's. Oh. I mean, when you say incredibly famous, yeah. Oh, what do you think? Well, I think she's still dating the backup dancer. Is she still dating? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, and she's busy. She's busy. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And then I was, are there any political leaders you could think about? Cause I was like Angela Merkel, I, I think Angela is married. Merkel? <laughs> I think she's married. No, no, she has, she has, she has a husband. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I don't think so. All right. Okay. So just, uh, feel okay, free we gotta to be on a lookout. We, we need some more suggestions. Yeah. We need, we need people really to do some research. Right. Where does he live? Does he live in New York or does he live he in lives, London? Julie. It doesn't, it's like he might be a citizen of the world. Citizen of the world. I mean, this uh, this interview was for uh, Ireland's Ind- Sunday Independent paper, so oh. I don't know. Okay. Although I do seem to see a lot of photos of him in New York City, so maybe he okay. does live there. So, okay. Uh, so there you go. Reds, keep your eyes open for that. All right. And then speaking of um, attractive guys who live in New York City, no Madam Secretary this week, but thank goodness for the New York Times style section because they had uh, a fantastic article on Tim Daly. And a couple of things Madam Secretary fans are going to want to know. They do shoot that show in New York, as we know, because we spoke to the executive producer. And they were on set there in the city. And they didn't know if they were going to make it past the first season. But when they renewed for the second season, Tim Daly went out and he bought a home on the Upper West Side. 
Julie, he bought a two-bedroom co-op on the Upper West Side, and he said it had sort of just the right amount of lived-in feel. We really got to know a lot about Tim Daly in this article. Did you read it, Joel? Yes, Lynn. Uh, Not only did I read it, I've cut it out, and I'm thinking of laminating it uh, (laughs) because it's just... It's just so perfect in so many ways. Of course, he didn't want to live in some flashy, sterile apartment. You know, he's you know he's a philosophy professor, right? Uh, <laughs> well, well, not really. Where's he going to put his books? You know, <laughs> I mean, where yeah. is he going to like make the pancakes in the morning? Right? That's right. He need, he needed something. So I like that. You know, and he really I like. He has a quote where he says, "You know, when I rent, I can't go all in." Yes, Tim, this is what we want. Yeah. Yes, I really can't get settled unless I own something. Okay, that's good. And that he wanted to pick a neighborhood uh, where that was where his daughter near his daughter, because again, he's a family guy, mm-hmm. and where his girlfriend lives. And of course, we know who his girlfriend is, don't we, Liam? It's Leone. It's Madam Secretary. So, and he just said about that in the article, I'm in a happy place. Be happy for me. So that's, we are, Tim, we're happy for you. We're we're a little bit jealous, but we're happy for you. We're happy. We're happy for you. I like the New York Times described him as, uh, he looks like your older brother's cute best friend from high school. I mean, exactly. Right. That's it. That's it. So we get to know a lot about him course when he was a struggling actor he was also a carpenter down in the village so he's a handy guy he really enjoys playing the blues julie which that would drive me crazy but okay <laughs> you i mean you, your husband likes all that race car stuff lee and so you put up with a few things That's okay true. You, you could put up with that but yes but he likes like the eclectic look in his apartment. Of course he does, Leanne. Of course he does. You know, and and he's you know handy. And he took an old uh, window frame from a farm in Vermont and turned it into a coffee table. Oh, I love that. And then there, there was the strange detail of how his mother, the actress, died. That was very sad uh, yeah. to read that. But he actually like carved her headstone, and then he has a photo of it. Her name was Hope. So then he has a, he cut down a tree, he carved hope into this tree, uh, he, and then he took a photo of it and then photoshopped it with color. And that's the photo above his fireplace. <laughs> I mean, Do you think, I, I mean, that, there are a couple warning bells there, Liam, <laughs> like for Taya that I think she should just, you know, just go, go slowly, go slowly. Well, Let's, you know, at least his mom's name was hope and not like Edna. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that would look bad. That would be weird. Or taxi, what? Pop and Jay or whatever. <laughs> so, so it was a very satisfying article in the New York Times, and there's also a slideshow. So if you go to the online version, Julie, I mean, laminate yours by all means. Yes, I think I that's a great idea. Um, but you're going to want to go to the slideshow version because it does look like an apartment you literally you want to move right into, just absolutely right into. He has a thing for four, and you can see the headstone slash uh, thing over the fireplace. He has a thing for four leaf clovers, which says a lot about him. And, you know, he made his own silver box when he was a student at the Putney School in Vermont. So if you just, if you miss Madam Secretary this week and you need a little Tim Daly fix, go to the New York Times. Uh, the piece is entitled What I Love. 
slash Tim Daly. But I, you can That's read that in any ways. It. That's pretty much it. Or as someone in our Facebook group wrote, I love Tim Daly. That's all she wrote. That's all you need to write. All right. And speaking of love, it is Valentine's Day this weekend. We hope you are gathering with your satellite sister friends, maybe having a, a Galentine party on Thursday nights. We've been reminding you to do that, honor your female friends with a copy of our book, You're the Best, a Celebration of Friendship, and, and whatever else you want to serve uh, to eat and drink that night. That would be fun. Valentine's Day is the 14th. And maybe you're gathered, Maybe you're just home alone this weekend. <laughs> but I want to tell you about a movie. Remember my friend Barbara? I told you about the screenwriter who wrote the Jennifer Lopez movie that was so mocked on the internet because it yes. included the line about the first edition of the Iliad. Right. Um, and Barbara, who was a longtime friend of mine, you know, the mom who lived next door, who was a federal prosecutor turned screenwriter. Yes. When I had lunch with her afterwards, she's like, oh my gosh, of course I did not write that line. Um, so, uh, I've been keep, you know, keeping up, we bump into each other. So I was at the grocery store the other day, um, you know, buying some kale, Julie, as I like to do and some watercress, the new green. I actually bought cauliflower this week. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Put some turmeric on it and some nettle. <laughs> Just try it. What was that libido booster thing? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go look at that concoction. <laughs> yeah, it's Valentine's Day coming up. Right, Lance. So I said to Barbara, "What are you working on?" And she said, "Well, out of the blue, in the fall, one of her scripts was bought by the Hallmark Channel. Oh, so man. her agent had submitted it, for, and uh, and you know, heard nothing, heard nothing, and then she got a call back, like, "Okay, we're gonna make this movie. Can you rewrite it for next week?" So what? So she. <laughs> And it's the Valentine's Day movie. Oh, it's, well, that sounds good, Liam. It's called Anything for Love. Okay. And it stars Erica Christensen, who was in Parenthood. And so you'd recognize her face as an actress. But um, what's funny, Barbara said, I said, really? The Hallmark movies? Now, you know, I will admit that during the holidays and stuff, sometimes when I'm doing stuff around the house, I just turn on the Hallmark Channel. I love the Hallmark Channel, Leon. You should not be embarrassed to say you love it. And but what happens is after a day or two, you realize all these movies are exactly the same. <laughs> like that's the comfort of that. I know. I mean, is that that's no different than like the Born Identity movies? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. It's it is a the same thing. It works. And just keep doing it. It's like Liam Neeson's movies, you know, what was that movie? Like taken, taken one, taken, taken again, one. still, yeah. still took. Yeah. Um, oh. Liam's calling. <laughs> what? He's got the name Tell of the famous. Um, so, um, <laughs> so I said, what was that like? She said, well, first of all, they took out almost three quarters of the script. Like anything that was slightly, you know, elevated in any way, any edgy language, any kind of sexual tension between the, you know, the male lead and the female lead. She's like, it was a romantic comedy, but basically I had to take out all the romance and all the comedy. <laughs> Sounds good. But she said it was a really fun experience. She was on set in Toronto rewriting. She said, I knew it was just something totally different when they said, could you rewrite? Oh my gosh. Cause that's kind of strong. That's strong language. <laughs> so there you well, go. That's They're... what we count the uh, count on at the Hallmark. Channel. There you go. Nothing. Just... Yeah. It's not going to show. It's not going to, it's not going to overwhelm you. You're going to enjoy it. So, uh, so there you have it. That's, that's it. So if you're sitting around this weekend or you want to tune in, it's my friend Barbara's movie, anything for love on the Hallmark channel. So good for her. 
Um, all right, coming up, we have Down Abbey. You psyched, Joel? We're gonna. I am, Leanne. It was a great episode. It was a good episode. Excellent episode. So we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back with Down Abbey. It's that time of year again, Satellite Sisterhood. That's right, Galentine's Day. Oh yeah, I said Galentine's Day because we're the Satellite Sisters. We can't really help you with Valentine's Day. You're on your own to get a Valentine. But if you want to take this opportunity to say thank you to your female friends, the women in your life that get you up, get you going, and get you through, then that we can help you with. Our collection of essays, You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship, is the perfect thank you note, the perfect Galentine card for the women in your life, for your besties, your BFFs, you know, the people that get you up, your satellite sisters. You can find You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship at Amazon.com, at your local bookstore, or at gift stores everywhere. Leave the chocolates for someone else to give. Give your satellite sister You're the Best, because you know what? She's the best. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. This is Downton Gabby, our recap of Downton Abbey in the final season. Oh, Julie Dolan, it is great to talk to you about this episode because there was just a lot happening in this episode. And it reminded me of every horrible experience I'd ever had on any volunteer committee at any point <laughs> in my life. Right? Right, Leanne. Right. It was a decorator show house, no doubt. <laughs> All right, I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. And it was. It was just showcase house. I mean, unbelievable that they're turning down Abbey. They're selling tickets to walk through the house, let normal people walk through the house, and it's a fundraiser for the hospital storyline. But uh, here's the thing, Julie. I saw this, and every archetype of committee work was represented, I thought, in the show. First of all, we had the ousted president, right? So you have the countess, the dowager countess, who doesn't know she's on the outs, but everybody else knows she's on the outs. That but really wasn't fair, Leanne. It I wasn't. Mean, she was she was the, the pre- president of the hospital. She she was the voice of the patients, as she said. Yes. So, but everybody else knew that she was out, that they were going to allow her to resign from her position after so many years of hard work. Wouldn't you? Don't you hate that when you get that kind of letter? Yeah. 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 And then and she just felt completely betrayed by the other people in the hospital committee. And yeah, then we had the backstabbing newbie. I mean, Lady Cora, come on, to decline the presidency. Yeah, that she was, I, I didn't understand that. She was, she was, first of all, she was coherent uh, in this episode. So that is always, that's always a shock. But I didn't know that she was a career girl. She wants that job. Yeah. She wants something bigger. She's, you know, she's already had one uh, job raising her daughters, which, which, all right, fine job there from your bed, from your bed, you know? I mean, how much time could she have spent with them? I didn't even, we we see Mary barely, barely acknowledges George. And I just, when she said that raising your daughters, and first of all, your daughters are like, well, we don't know how old they are anymore, but they're like... 35. So I, I think that job is done. (laughs) But the idea that she, you know, that, so she was complicit and, uh, uh, you know, she definitely wants that job. She is, she's excited about that power and authority. 
Well, then I think she should have had the decency to tell Cora herself and not wait for the letter I mean, to Violet. come. She Violet. Violet. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Violet. Yes. yes. Uh, not wait for the letter to come so that the countess was surprised. That seemed right. sort of gutless. Yeah. All right. And then we had the clueless docent. So <laughs> Lady Edith, I mean, <laughs> those people don't know anything about the house they lived in for years. That's quote, been in the family for years and they're never going to let it go, but they have no idea what's happening in the house. You know, they're wildly undereducated. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, true. I know she's running a major magazine there, but she knows nothing. You know, she, I mean, they really have spent no time at school or studying or, you know, any of that. So, uh, so yeah, she, that was, she was, but haven't you been, uh, Yes. To decorate her house tours and you ask about something. And, you know, I mean, Edith was just trying to get away with good hair and a cute outfit. And that's what most docents are trying to do. Right, Liam? Yeah. I like when she said, oh, he's designed lots of lovely, nice houses (laughs) to these to these pig farmers that are tromping through Downton Abbey. All right, and then we have the person who actually knows what to do and gets it done, and that is Bertie, Lady Edith's, you know, date who has to schlep his own bags from the station. Right. He shows up, and because he runs another country estate, and he's very familiar with this, he whips this whole group of, you know, dilettantes into shape to get get it done. Get the lines, get the velvet ropes. You need, you know, servants in the drawing room to make sure no one walks off with the odd first edition or two. Bertie is getting the job done. And there's always one of those on every volunteer committee. Right, Julie? Right. And everybody else just sort of is standing around with their mouth open like, oh, you have to do that. (laughs) Yes, you need permits. You need parking passes. (laughs) You need walkie talkies. That's true. Okay. All right. And then we had cousin Isabel, who I believe is filling the role of the obsequious sustaining member who just won't resign. I mean. Oh, I know. We all know who that person is on the committee. We know. Yeah. Yeah. We know who we know who you are. Yeah. You think we don't see what you're doing. You think you're just like just going with the flow, just trying to keep your head down. But we see, we see what you're doing. Yeah. Reminding us of how it was done 50 years ago. Thanks. That's helpful. (laughs) Super helpful. (laughs) All right. And then in the role of the disgruntled husbands who resent their wives, volunteer work, we had both Lord Grantham and Carson, who was very grumpy about the entire operation. He just, he wanted no part of it. You know, he just, he thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lord Grantham made that weird comment about like, who, what if they walk in on Mary in the bath? And like Carson was outraged on Mary's behalf. I know that was totally inappropriate. I don't think, I don't think, um, uh, Lord Grantham is getting enough blood to the brain. I, I think it's the first, I, you know, he has serious medical issues. He did not, he looked very pale throughout he did. the episode. There was some moaning, some groaning and weird comment. That was the, that I was like so weird that that's what it is. He's not, there's no blood flow to the brain, Liam. Uh, you also had uh, the guy who shows up for setup and cleanup. You always like that. Tom Branson, of course, there behind yes. the scenes doing, doing the support work and doing the hard work. Do, right. He's the muscle of any operation at that Downton Abbey. Yes. And in then find three-piece suit. Yeah. Which yeah in the, not flattering. In the not. not, I hope, I hope Tom goes back to white tie after, 
for the final episode, we'd like to see Tom in something other than tweed. Maybe just shirt sleeves would work for him. And then finally, you have uh, the committee member with all the power because, frankly, she has the most money. And that is Lady Mary. I know. I know. That's... That's exactly, and isn't that the case? It's yes. that's the case. Doesn't right? matter like who the, you can talk until you're blue in the face yep. about no, you you know how this is, this is really the end of it. You know we shouldn't put the house, uh, you know, uh, you know, open it up. But Mary, Mary's got the money; she's going to open it up, and so you just got to go with that. Right, it's it's vote sh- of one, committee it, of one. Lady. It is. Put your committees together. Appoint other people. You're the chair of this or that, but really the person with the most money wins in any volunteer situation. <laughs> and, and, you know, when the family was like sitting around going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. We may not live here. She was like, this is weakling talk. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Weakling. That's just a great uh, image. She and George are going to live there forever. That's basically what she said. She's not going anywhere. This is weakling talk, and that's my new personal motto. Okay. So I like it, Liam. It was exciting to have the Showcase House uh, theme this week on Downton Abbey uh, because we got to see a little bit of the house and learn a little bit of the history and the family portraits and the Joshua Reynolds and this and that. It was excellent, I thought. I liked it. I did too, Liam. Very good. Yes. All right. Then we just had some other storylines happening. And I just, Julie, I just put together a, a list of who was up and who was down this okay. week. Okay. okay. So, what you, who's in the up category? Oh, in the up category, um, we have Thomas. You know, I thought he showed a little humanity and less snark. And he may be the first documented Manny on record. <laughs> he really seems to like those kids. I I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know about him, William. You just I, don't trust him. I just don't trust him. I mean, he has a pretty dark, evil past and he's, and he's been very conniving and, you know, he's, uh, he's really made it difficult for many people over the years. And now we're just supposed to, because he wants to give those children a ride on his back that we're supposed to just forgive him. And I, can I just say as a sidebar, I do not like the children speaking. I think it is much better <laughs> The yeah. only scene I liked is when all three children were asleep, okay, in the nursery. Though That works out much better. But to hear those little voices, <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. All right. Who's up this week? Henry Talbot, you know, uh, Mary's new man. And I think he just went for it with Lady Mary. He seems very grown up. He can have a grown up conversation with her, which she likes. She's very uh, no nonsense and all business. And he said, I'm falling in love with you, even though I know, you know, I'm not as good a catch as you. Let's see if we can make this work. I want to see you again. So I thought he had a good show. I did too. What did you think of the kiss? Oh, yeah, that was a good kiss. I, mean, I thought it was a good kiss. Yeah. And I liked it when he said, you're the boss, when they decided to run in the rain. Yeah. You know, Mary likes to get wet with her boyfriends. I believe in previous episodes, <laughs> she was like, you know, with mixing it up with the pigs, you know, and, an, uh, and another be- a boyfriend. So she she enjoys just getting out there and doing that. So, and if that's that, you could see how their relationship could develop. Right. I liked it. And He's just so darn good looking. So yes, two thumbs up for him. And poor Evelyn Napier, the the also ran. He had yeah. a very sad face. Very sad yes. face yeah, when Mary just... went off with Henry Talbot. He did not anticipate that at all. No. Thought no. he was having a fun little surprise dinner party and then Mary stole the show. Yeah. All right. Who else is up this week? Dickie Merton. Lord Lord Merton. <laughs> uh so he's again trying again for Isabel, and he's brought in the family fixer. He's got a new daughter-in-law who is really buttering up cousin Isabel. Yeah, it seemed like a weird turn of events. Like, what's her game? What's the daughter-in-law's game? 
I yeah, I don't I don't trust her because she's she's married to that super snobby uh, son, right? right? Or about to be married to the super snobby son. Yeah. So I don't think I I feel like she's going to try to manipulate the situation. So. Uh, I think we, we need to ke- keep our guard up on that. Moment. Okay. But, uh, but, you know, Dickie Merton looked happy to bring her along to in, in, in every scene. Okay. Right. Who's down this week? All right. Uh-huh. Carson is down. My gosh. Who? This is Carson is going to blow. She's going to kill him. Don't you think? I think she's going to poison him. That's. I think every woman in the free world wants to poison him. I mean, get your own horseradish, buddy. I don't. I know. I mean, I like horseradish as much as the next person, but Mrs. Hughes is working all day. Then she's trying to put dinner on the table. That's not something she's really done for 30 years. And then this guy with the lemon and the horseradish and the, you know, the hospital corners on the bed or whatever his issue was. My goodness. You know, he wants coffee. She should take coffee lessons. Okay. So, so Mrs. Carson is, is going to have to blow. There's going to have to be you know, some kind of rearrangement because this, that's just not working. She just can't take that. You know, you just, you know, you have to speak up if you're in a relationship and you know, you have these Mr. Carson moments, you just, you have to, you can let a a number of them just slide by, but then after a while you just really have to um, straighten up. Don't you think? Absolutely. I do. I do. All right. Uh, What else is, what else is down this week? Criminal pasts. Oh my gosh. We thought we put that stupid Baxter storyline to rest and it just don't, that won't go away. Now she wants to go visit her undoing in jail. What is the point of that? She has a death wish. Okay. (laughs) She has a death wish. Leanne. I, I do think though, Maybe the underlying story, which is, again, based in fact, is that many abused women find it very difficult to leave their abuser. And maybe that's what, you know, what the the show is getting at. Really? You think that's what they're after? Well, I don't know. That's the only reason, I I mean, that I can imagine that she wants, you know, that she's still hanging in there. So, uh, and that she wants to go see this. Unless... She's planning an even bigger robbery at Downton Abbey. That's what I thought. I thought she may actually just be a double agent, you know, okay. that she's just, <laughs> I mean, because Mosley can't get anywhere with her, you know? I mean, there's not. I mean, Mosley was doing it, had, did it all in this episode. When you realize in the opening scene of this episode, he is marketing for the open house at Downton Abbey. He's out <laughs> there with brochures. He's providing all the legal defense to Baxter, you know, legal counseling. And now he's educator of the year. Uh, so <laughs> you're right. Mosley, Mosley's really been doing a lot. You're right, Julie. You're right. I need to, I need to give him more of a chance. So Mosley's up, but criminal pastor down. And then Daisy is down, man. What was the deal with her? She was just downright hideous about Mrs. Patmore and the father-in-law. That's just getting teasy. It is. It is. I mean, that she threw the lovely little thank you note. I know. That was terrible. And that she was reacted so badly uh, when her father-in-law showed up with a basket of vegetables for Mrs. Patmore. Mrs. Patmore, she's going to take out a carving knife or a frying (laughs) pan. Just settle the score there. I mean, Daisy is just, I I don't know what that's about. I mean, I think she should get on with that young footman, the pig who right. wants to be a pigman. I right. think that's she, you know, or pass the darn exam and let's get going. Get... You know? <laughs> I know. I'm She's tired. been studying for this exam for like a decade. My gosh. <laughs> Since the end of World War One, She's yes. finally taking it. 
They're both taking it together. I didn't even understand. Oh, whatever. <laughs> All right. I, I was glad we had the showcase house. That just, that really lifted me up. It just made me laugh because <laughs> those are so venerable now. And so, uh, you know, they're everywhere in the world, the showcase house, but seeing like the origins of the showcase house, that made me laugh. So Julie, I don't know where we're headed. I mean, I think Bertie really accounted for himself this week, and I hope he and Edith move things along. I feel like things need to be wrapping up pretty shortly, don't they? I know, unless it's all going to come to like some big crescendo at the Christmas party. But I'd have to say that Mary and Edith, they are the worst sisters ever, right? I mean, and in this episode in particular, it just highlighted how these two women just cannot stand each other. And there there a- was an Eli Manning moment for Mary yes, when she yes, gave Edith that look. It was the same look Eli had at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was just <laughs> the time-honored tradition. I mean, they just will not cut each other any slack. I don't. Yeah. You know, and yet they live in the same house. It'd be one thing if they, if Edith just, you know, got on with her life. Now, do you think, I I think Bertie's the man that Edith is going to open up to about Marigold. And Mary, maybe that will be the crack that the story that bonds them all together. The the revelation about Marigold. Mary's on to the Marigold thing. Yeah. She, She is now, she's asked Tom about it. She's asked Anna about it. So she's, you know, that is, that's on her radar now. So I think that that. We're going to see more of that in an upcoming episode. The other one that I'm still just, I worry so much about Anna, you know, that she, she didn't really have a big episode. She had some issue with the baby, but the baby's okay. But if you listen to Mr. Bates's language to Anna, it still makes me so nervous because he says stuff like, you know, we're finished with that business of keeping me in the dark. And oh, yeah. I mean, he uses... <laughs> well, like, when you say it like that, yeah, it's suspicious. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he just... They, that may, I, I just worry about him that and, and what his true intentions are. So that was, uh, that was not good. And, Leanne, I have a whole new category of dressing now. It's oh. called medium smart. Did you... Oh, did you hear? I love that. Yeah. Yes. That, that was... That was a great when line. Mary was having her big night on the town in London, she told Anna just something medium smart. Did you see that? Medium I loved smart? it. That yeah. was like a ball gown. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a beautiful dress too. I know. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like in the business casual category, but no, yeah. that was, that was a little bit more elevated than business casual. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, that is weakling talk. It was just the best line. I just I love her. So <laughs> she should rule. She does rule. Yes, she does roll. She rolls. So, all right. Uh, I'm sure we're going to wrap. I'm sure something's going to happen with this hospital storyline. Uh, something's going to happen with Marigold. And I know Tom is going to like start Rolls Royce or something. I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm looking forward to the big car race, though. That should be exciting next week. I think there'll be a lot of tension there. Yes. We are the Satellite Sisters. If you want to hear more of the Satellite Sisters podcast, you can go to iTunes or SatelliteSisters.com. We have been on the air for 15 years, and we talk about all kinds of other things besides Downton Abbey. We'd love you to join us. You can join us in our Facebook group. You just have to ask to join. And if you're a real person, not a bot, we'd love to have you. There's always tons of conversations about Downton Abbey there on our Facebook group. Uh, And Jewel, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.